we are continuing from where we left off last week how many left learned some things last week about misconceptions of intimacy with god hallelujah what we need to understand is that if we can see god as we relate with human beings we can draw closer the spiritual realm mirrors the physical am i making sense so it means that whatever is done physically the same can be done spiritually if you want to get closer to anybody what steps you go through to get closer to the person is the same step you must go through to get closer to god am i making sense john chapter 4 verse 19 it is no wonder that jesus or god was made man and he came in the form of jesus and as people got closer to him their lives were changed. Remember the, the, the short guy who climbed the tree? Zacchaeus. He says that as soon as he had an encounter with Jesus, he said that half of my goods I give to the poor. If I have defrauded anybody, I will pay it back. And Jesus said that you are not far from the kingdom. As he got physically close to God, to, to Jesus, he was getting physically close or spiritually close to the kingdom of God. Am I making sense? John chapter 4 verse 19. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive that you are a prophet. Our fathers worshipped on this mountain. And you Jews say that in Jerusalem is the place where one ought to worship. And Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me. The hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour, somebody say, but. But the hour is coming. And now is when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship him. Amen. God is a spirit, verse 24. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. And the woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming. Who is called Christ? When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Hallelujah. Here ends the reading of his holy word. He says that the, the woman was saying to Jesus that the Jews have convinced us that we can only worship in one place. We can only worship in Jerusalem. That is the heart. That is the place where the spirit of God is. So if you want to worship God, you must go to Jerusalem. And then he says that you guys don't know what you are worshiping. We know what we worship. And then he goes on to say that, but the time is coming or the hour is coming. And now is a time when anyone who wants to worship the father will not have to worship him physically, but has to worship him in spirit and in truth. Amen. 
He will have to learn to worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Then Jesus goes on to say that God is a spirit. And those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. But in this passage, we can see how the physical is almost mirroring the spiritual. Because as the woman interacted with Jesus, she got closer to the presence of God. Are you with me? As we interact with, with God in a certain way, we will get closer to him. The way you interact with any human being. And so last week we went through some misconception. The first one was what? Let's rehearse it quickly. Intimacy should be easy. It's a misconception. How many know that intimacy with any lady, drawing closer to any lady is not an easy thing? It takes a lot of moves and awkward moves and everything to break through the ice to get closer to the person. Isn't that true? Oh, we are talking about a relationship this month, so don't look at me funny. Second misconception. It should not involve time. If you are going to court any, any woman, you will need to put time into it. True or not true? Oh, are you, am I preaching to a church? Why are you all quiet on me? You have to have time for the lady, otherwise it will not work. Somebody was complaining to me that a guy who is trying to make moves is not showing time and attention. And I was like, this guy is honest. I have to warn him. Because if you want to have a relationship with anybody, you must put time into it. Am I making sense? You must put time into it. Amen. Second, uh, fourth misconception is what? It's only for special people. It is not for special people. Everyone, whosoever will, may come. Amen. Any one of us can come to the Father. Amen. God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in what? Amen. And then he says that without faith, it is impossible to please God for anyone. Isn't it? Anyone, is it Hebrews 11, 6? Anyone who comes to him must know that he is and that he is a rewarder. The key word is what? Anyone. He who comes to God must believe that he is. In the original language, anyone who comes to him must know that he is and that he is a rewarder. What is the fourth misconception? It is too hard to figure out how to be, get intimate with God. How many realize from last week that it's not that hard? It is just making up your mind. Amen. So number five misconception. We are all the same. We think we are all the same. No, we are all not the same. Amen. Today I want to move from misconceptions to things we ought to do. 
to get closer. Things we ought to do to get closer to God. Amen. Things we ought to do. The word ought to do means what? It's imperative. It's necessary that we must do these things to get close to God. Amen. If you don't do these things, you will not get close. If you want to get close to any big man or big woman, when I say big man or big man, you know what I'm talking about. Any pet of importance, there are some things you ought to do. If you don't do those things, you will never get close to the person. Isn't that true? God is the same. If we are not ready to do some things, we will not get close to him. Amen. The first thing we ought to do is we must make a decision to get close. Not everybody wants to see God. Amen. I, I, I like um, two personalities in the Bible. I wrote about them in a contagious church book. The woman with the issue of blood and the man at the pool of Bethesda. Two personalities. They were both in need of healing. They were both in dire need of God's intervention. They were in need of divine assistance. They were in need of help. But the two of them had two different attitudes towards their problem. Majority of us Christians have the attitude that the man at the pool of Bethesda had. We make a monument of our miseries. We cry into our pillows and we blame everybody else but ourselves for our predicaments and we stay in our predicaments. For 38 years, this man is lying, in, this story is in John chapter 5, this man is lying by the pool of Bethesda and Jesus the son of God, Jesus the Christ, Jesus the healer. If the woman at the, the, the woman with the issue of blood heard about Jesus, then logic tells me that this man would have also heard about Jesus. Is it, is it a safe logic to make? The woman never had any encounter. But the fame of Jesus had spread abroad. If you read um, Luke chapter uh, uh, 4, it says that the, the uh, last few verses, it says that the fame of Jesus spread abroad. If there's anybody who is healing sick people anywhere in, uh, uh, around this area, do you think people will not hear? The news will spread so fast. People will get to know. Jesus never walked alone. Jesus walked with a large entourage of people because everybody wanted to be healed by Jesus. Amen. When the woman with the issue of blood came, he said, and Jesus said, somebody touch me. 
He said, who touched you? You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say who somebody touched. I mean, if the crowd is pressing around you, it means that people are desperate to have an encounter with Jesus. Am I making sense? Now, this man lies in the, in the same spot, doesn't shift. When Jesus comes to the pool with all his entourage and people are pressing and people are coming towards him and people are seeing and he's lying there unconcerned. To the point that Jesus goes to him and says to him, Mate, what one? And he says, I don't have any man. Once a year, the water is stirred up. And as I'm trying to get close to the water, another steps ahead of me, and they are healed. And I am never healed. So, Jesus asks a question. Do you want to be healed? That question It begs another question. That the fact that everybody's sick doesn't mean everybody wants to be healed. The fact that everybody wants an encounter with God doesn't mean that everybody wants to see God. Am I making sense? Hello? So, the first thing is to change your attitude and your mind from the man at the pool of Bethesda to the woman with the issue of blood. The Bible says that this woman had been sick for many years and had spent all her money with physicians and could not get well. But when she heard that Jesus was passing, what did she do? <clears throat> she said, if I can go close to him as much as touch the hem of his garment, I believe that I'll be made whole. So she made up her mind. The woman is weak. She has been uh, bleeding for how many years? 12 years. She's weak. It's not easy to walk from wherever she was to where Jesus was. But she was determined to pay the price. She had made up her mind. I am going to go to where Jesus is. And when she gets there and sees the crowd of people pressing around Jesus, she did not give up. She was determined to pay the price at all costs. You know, in those days, women were not allowed in the company of men. So for a woman to go to a place where men are, the women are supposed to be on this side, far away. The men are supposed to be on that side. So she was breaking protocol. That's number one. Number two, if you are menstruating, according to Leviticus, according to the term, you are not supposed to go into a company you are not supposed to go to the, a crowd of people, let alone a crowd of men. So she was breaking all the rules, all the protocols, and you must also have some strength. 
to push through. Have you ever pushed through a crowd before? It is not easy. When people are trying to do, go to some, I mean, maybe they are fighting for something and you are trying to, it's not easy. I'm sure majority of you are young in this place. But you will not appreciate what I'm saying. Some years ago, there was a farming in the land that I was. And uh, you had to fight for bread. And um, I mean, I remember when the bread is baked. So if I, you have to comb the whole town, the whole city, to look for a bakery where there's bread. And by the time you get there, the crowds of people that are there, you have no idea. Waiting for the bread. And you have to fight physically to reach to the front of the queue. I mean, you can see grown men and women physically blows. Yeah. Yeah. For bread. I'm sure majority of you are very young. You will know. This was in the early 80s. Fight for bread. Yeah. So I, I can see how this woman will fight her way. Even with all her weakness. She's anemic. She has been weak, so her muscles have been moved. And she's broke. You know when you are broke, you lose some confidence. <laughs> so there's, some, there's some strength that disappears from you when you are broke. All these things were happening at the same time, but the woman had determination. Brothers and sisters, if you want to really encounter God, you need determination. You have to take a decision, make up your mind. This woman made her mind up to start with, to leave home. And she was prepared to fight. Hallelujah. Yeah, she was prepared to fight. When you're not prepared to fight, you will not encounter. Am I making sense? Yeah, when you're not prepared to fight, you will never encounter. Most of us in our day to day, we are like the man with the, uh, that sat by the pool. Don't bother me. We will not leave our home to go to a, a program where they say Jesus is coming. How many know what I'm talking about? If there's a program and there's work, you choose work. Isn't that true? An encounter in the program can sort your life out for the rest of your life. The encounter the woman had with Jesus at the, the well changed her life. The encounter the woman with the issue of blood had with Jesus changed her life. Remember uh, um, the man that sat by the wayside. The blind man, Bartimaeus. He was sitting by the wayside and he heard that 
Jesus was passing. He said, I cannot see, but I have legs and I have a mouth. I have a voice. So he started shouting, Jesus, thou son of David, have mercy. They said, you cannot go and see him. One, you are dirty. Two, you stink. Three, you are not presentable. Four, you, 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 you are blind. Go and see. Even able-bodied people can't see him than you. The Bible says that he shouted all the more to the point that Jesus stopped. That means that the shouting wasn't that small shouting. Am I making sense? The shouting must have been some shout to attract them. Because if Jesus is walking with a large crowd and the crowd, they will not be silent. The crowd will be making noise. They'll be pulling at each other, trying to get close to Jesus. And this man is by the wayside on another part of them. He's shouting. And he shouts so much that he gets the attention of Jesus. He must have been very desperate. Number two, he must have decided that by all means, if Jesus is passing today, I have to meet him. He was not prepared to be shut up by the people around. Nothing was going to inconvenience him. Am I making sense? No, because there was a certain determination. In the same way, brothers and sisters, if we want to encounter God, we must have the same determination. We are too idle and too laid back. We are too phlegmatic with our worship of God. If it happens, it will happen. Whatever will be, will be. No, 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 no. Whatever will be, will not be. You have to make it be. <laughs> Am I making sense? You have to make it be. Things just don't happen by accident. In the spiritual realm, things don't happen by accident. Life says what you need, I have it. If you want it and you have guts, come for it. The spiritual version of that, what I just said is that from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers what? Violence. And the violent take it by force. The interpretation of that scripture is that anything spiritual has to be got through violence and force. Am I making sense? Yeah. A lot of us were too gentle for the spirit of God. That's why we don't encounter God in any way. Some of us, we are very, very choleric in our normal lives. But as soon as we get to God and spiritual things, we, go lay, we become phlegmatic. We go laid back. When his prayer is laid back, when it is worship is laid back, when he's reading the Bible is laid back, when it's a... Uh, Anything to do with spiritual, you are laid back. When it has to do with business, football, politics, then your strength comes. Then we see how loud you can be. No, you are just like the man sitting by the well. Jesus is passing and he's fast asleep. You, you want people to give you money. You want people to have compassion over you, on you. And you are sitting there and not even looking at them and asking for help. How would you get the help? Obviously, you don't need that help. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, am I talking to somebody? 
most of us, our behavior in, in, uh, on spiritual things is just like this, this guy. Very relaxed. Don't bother me. If it happens, it happens. If it doesn't happen, well, maybe God didn't want it to be. Amen. But how many know that we live in a very godless world? This is a godless world that if you don't have a certain... um, Turn my monitors down a bit, please. If you don't have a certain uh, strength and force for spiritual things, the world will dampen even your laid-backness. If, how many know that when you want to come to church, even your flatmates, they will just say, why, why, you're doing too much. Have you seen how windy it is out there? Have you seen how cold it is out there? Why don't you just stay in? At least you can watch online. How many understand what I'm saying? The world is so godless that the world is not determined by the same person when it has to do with football. When it has to do with work and money, they will go. It can be quite cold and they will find a way they will go. I mean, know what I'm talking about. The world is so godless, the world will not encourage you in the things of God. But you see, one encounter with God will change your life forever. How many know that this man at the pool, his life was never the same. After sitting there for 38 years, he encounters Jesus. Finally, he leaves the, the place. For 38 years, now you can see a different environment than that surrounding. This woman encountered Jesus, and we never heard of her going to see any doctor after that. Now her money was intact. Now all of a sudden, she, she got the money that she had lost back. The blind man, Bartimaeus, was sitting by the wayside. As soon as he got uh, an encounter with Jesus, his life was transformed. One encounter changes everything. Brothers and sisters, I'll tell you, determined to be in the house of God. Because one encounter will change your life. I remember one encounter I had. It changed my life. It was a program. I will never forget that program. And I went for that program. And I had one encounter, just one. And it changed my life. I can tell you that the day, the time, where I got that particular anointing from, it was one encounter. And that encounter is is a very prosperous and rich encounter. It will give me a lot of money that working will not give me. I'm not making sense to you. A lot of us don't take spiritual things seriously. We cannot see because it's not physical. If it's 10 pounds, you can see it. If it's 20 pounds, you can see it. But 10 pounds, you will finish it. 20 pounds, you will finish it. But an encounter is a present continuous thing. The encounter I'm talking about was more than 15 years ago. If I had left 
that particular meeting and gone to work, the money I would have made that day, 15 years ago, is long finished. But what I got that night, I'm still benefiting from it. And the next 30 years of my life, if God tarries and I'm not dead, I'll still benefit from it. <laughs> Joshua chapter 24, verse 14. Are you, are you with me so far? Are you learning something? Okay. Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. Now, this is Joshua. He's about to leave the scene after Moses has taken over from Moses and going over, uh, leading the, the people of Israel to the promised land and dividing every, all the places for, to them. He has a final meeting with the people and he says to them, now therefore his advice to them, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your father served from beyond the river in Egypt and serve the Lord. Verse 15. If it is evil in your eyes to serve the Lord, choose this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Then the people answered, far from it. Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord and serve other gods. Far, for it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt out to the, of the house of slavery and who did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us the lands of the, the peoples of the Amorites whose land we live in. Therefore, we also will serve the Lord. Verse 19, but Joshua said to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord, for, you are, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He, he will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, then he will turn and do harm and consume you after having done you good. And the people said to Joshua, no, we will serve the Lord. Then listen to Joshua, verse 22. Then Joshua said to the people, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. They said, we are witnesses. And he said to them, then put away the foreign gods that are among you and incline your heart to the Lord, the God of Israel. For the people said to Joshua, the Lord our God, the Lord our God we will serve and his voice we will obey. Then Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and put in place statutes and rules for them at Shechem. Amen. He was saying to them that, listen, I know you people. 
you want to serve God, but you are serving God with little gods around you. You are serving God small. You have idols that you are serving. You are doing this small. You are doing that small. God is a holy God. He is a jealous God. You cannot serve him and serve. So you have to make up your minds. Hallelujah. Be determined that you will serve him. Forsake everything and serve him. Amen. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10, Do you think that I came to bring peace? I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against his mother, uh, her mother, and a daughter-in-law against a mother-in-law. And a, man, a man's enemies will be those of his household. He who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. He who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. He who does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. But he who loses his life for my sake will find it. Hallelujah. He was saying that if you are going to serve God, it takes determination. You have to be determined to pay the price at all costs. Amen. To engage God in a certain way is at all costs. Someone say, I will engage God at all costs. I will pay the price. Just like the woman with the issue of blood. Just like the man, blind by Timaeus, I will pay the price. Number two thing to do. If you want to engage God intimately, change the atmosphere around you. Change the atmosphere around you. How many know that we are a product of our backgrounds and our atmosphere? Hello? Is it true? No? Do you believe that? Yeah. When you read Revelation 2 and Revelation 3, the seven letters that Jesus wrote to the churches, you will see that all the churches, seven churches, were affected by the environment that the church was situated in. Their service of God was affected by the environment that they were in. Church in Smyrna, church in Philadelphia, church in Ephesus. All those churches, Laodicea and all those, all the churches were affected by the environment. The place of poverty, the poverty affected their worship. Place of wealth, the wealth affected their worship. Amen. All of us, our intimacy with God is affected by environment. Amen. It is not very easy to carry a woman when you are broke. In an environment of poverty, it's not very easy. I'm not saying it's impossible, but it's not very easy. In an in a environment of extra wealth, too, it's not easy. Hallelujah. I'm trying to say that if you want to serve God in a certain way, you have to control your environment. You have to control the friends around you. You have to control the music around you. You have to control the language around you. You have to control the things that happens in your area. Amen. 
There's a passage I want us to read in Second uh, Peter two. Second Peter two. Verse 4 to 8. For if God did not spare the angels who sinned, but cast them down to hell and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved for judgment, and did not spare the ancient world, but saved Noah, one of the eight, eight people, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood on the world of ungo- the ungodly. And turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them to destruction, making an example to those who after would live ungodly. And delivered Lot, Lot's, delivered righteous Lot, who op- was oppressed by the filthy conduct of the wicked. Look for another um, version for me. In uh, verse 7. Can you read uh, Amplified for me? Okay, message that. But the good man Lot, driven nearly out of his mind by the sexual filth and perversity, was rescued. But God also rescued Lot, NLT, out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. So you see, the people around you, they affect your spiritual relationship with God. Amen. Amos 3.3 says that, how can two work together except they agree? But God also rescued Lot out of Sodom because he was a righteous man who was sick of the shameful immorality of the wicked people around him. Verse 8. Give me the next verse. Let me read it. For that righteous man dwelling among them tormented his righteous soul from day to day by seeing and hearing their lawless deeds. Yes. Lot, for the, no, go back to that NLT. Give me NLT. Yes, Lot was a righteous man who was tormented in his soul by the wickedness he saw and heard day after day. How many have some wickedness around you that affects your spirit? Look at verse 8 in Amplify. Give me Amplify. Let me see. Then in the... Ah, sister. For that just man, while living among them, felt his righteous soul tormented day after day by what he saw and heard of lawless acts. Amen. Day after day. Sometimes living among some people, you see lawless act day after day. And affects you. You want to serve your small, God small, isn't it? God small. And your girlfriends, they are changing men like shoes. This one buys handbags. 
This one takes them on uh, cruises. This one takes them on uh, holidays. This one buys their... This one gives money. This one gives money. <laughs> and you are in a room next door. And you are trying to serve God. Hallelujah. Oh, you are trying to spoil my message. <laughs> Hallelujah. Can you understand what I'm trying to say? If you really want to engage God, you have to control your environment. You may have to move from that place. Otherwise, you will not make it. Saul's, Lot's wife did not make it. Because those people, the thing you see and hear and feel, they affect you. The Bible says she looked back. There's a scripture, remember Saul's wife, Lot's wife. Look for that scripture for me. Remember Lot. Is the, that, that's the whole verse. Remember Lot's wife. That should tell you the, the, what it pays, the, the price you need to pay if you're going to worship God in a certain way. There are some people, that's why I read a verse before that says that you must leave your mother, your father, you must hate your, your uh, mother-in-law, you must hate some people. Because if you don't hate, Luke 17, 32, if you don't hate them, remember what happened to Lot's wife. When, no, give me New King James. That's it, that's all. <laughs> that's all, that's the verse. Remember Lot's wife. Remember what happened to Lot's wife. Lot's wife was a righteous person. Her husband was very righteous. She was a righteous person, but her environment affected her. Am I talking to somebody? And that changed everything. Hallelujah. Let me give you one more. Do you want one more? I think that's, that's the verse for the night. <laughs> so your friends, social media, TV, music, the things that you allow into your space, they, 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 there's a scripture I want you to look at. I like the scripture. When I saw the scripture, I made that same covenant. Job 31.1. Job says that I have made a covenant with my eyes. Even in Job's days, the women were causing trouble. <laughs> have you found it? Proverbs 31 1. So Job 31 1, sorry. Job 31 1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. Not to look at any woman lustfully. You would have been able to serve God. It's the covenant that you couldn't make. See, I have made a covenant with my eyes. While then, why then should I look upon a young woman? See them as they are passing. No, Lord. When we see, we tend to look. 
Never turn to look. <laughs> Make that covenant today that you will never turn to look. <laughs> Amen. Eesh. Look at message. Give me the message Bible. I like that one. Eesh. That one is wild. I've made a solemn pact with myself never to undress a girl with my eyes. Kai. <laughs> It's a Bible verse. I will never undress a girl with my eyes. It's not easy. Listen, serving God in a certain way is not easy. You need to have determination. Am I making sense? You need to have determination. Otherwise, you will not make it. I've made a vow. Solemn pact. With yeah, my eyes. Me and my eyes. Never. 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 I see men like trees. There's another scripture. Look for it for me. I see men like trees. It's also in the Bible. Look for it. Look, they think I'm lying. Look, look for it so that look for it for me. I see men like trees. Uh, look for that scripture. Mark 8.24. They think I'm lying. So I have to quote the scripture for them. Mark 8.24. Come on, darling. Find it. He looked up and said what? I see men. Oh, no, no, no. Don't do message. Go to New King James. He looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. So you see that they, you won't see waist, you won't see hips, you won't see anything. You are seeing them like trees, camp and pass. Hallelujah. Number three. Determined to immerse yourself in the word of God. Determined to immerse yourself in the word of God. This is one of the things that a lot of Christians of the Latter-day Saints, we don't do. We know about the word, but we don't know the word. There are two different things. In fact, these days, churches don't really teach the word of God. They just talk about the word. Talking about the word is not the same as talking the word. Most people like this type of um, preacher, preacher, pastors, or evangelistical type of pastors who excite you with one verse of scripture. The whole service is one verse of scripture. And then they tell you stories. This story, that story, the other story, the other story, the other story, to buttress the point of that scripture, and that's it. And then we go home. Then the next day, come, I'll take one exciting scripture and then we dance around, around, around and tell you different stories, the story after story, which is exciting. When you go home, it's like, oh, yeah, the church was very nice. What were they? 
those type of Christians, one little wind blows and they are all gone. Because there's no root. There's no grounded word inside of them. So one small mishap, then it's blown away. There's, there are also some, some churches, all the churches prophecy. Prophecy, 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 and it's exciting. I see there's a man coming. Yes. <laughs> he has a yellow car. <laughs> you know, that's a, he, he, the pastor is powerful. Uh, every day you are running to that person because he's going to tell you. I receive it. I receive it. I lock it. But see, a proper prophet is a teacher. Yeah, because every prophecy is subject to the word of God. So I, I don't, you won't see me give you, prof, it's one of my, the gifts of God in my life, prophecy. But I don't, I don't use it very often. I tell you, I don't like that title and I don't like, yeah, because I think you need to add that series a lot. Listen, let, let's, let's close and go home. Because, see, when you start prophet, 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 everybody, they're excited and they forget that we lose the word. What will keep you in Christ for the next 30 years is not the prophecy. It's not that thing that made you dance around. It's not the prayer that made you spin five times and you fell down. No, I mean, all those things, I do them. I fall me down a lot of people. (laughs) <laughs> but that is not the main thing. You'll be in my church for a long time. You won't see me falling people down. But I have all those things. But those things are not the main thing. The main thing is the word. I say the main thing is the word. If I can teach you the word for you to get the word, I have helped you. So I don't like the church that you do tend to open to open to open to churches. I don't like them. You are about to die. Stand to your feet.